This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, Christopher Robin. Oh, good morning, Winnie the Pooh. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it happens to the best of us, but I'm stuck in a window. Yes, Winnie the Pooh style. Long story, tell you later, but luckily my mic has a long cord and Joe's arms aren't tired yet. Keep pushing back there, Ma! I may be stuck, but today, we'll help you get unstuck with your money. And we'll list our top five parts of financial planning. In our headlines, Chinese stocks are rocking. Should you invest? We have thoughts. And since I'm uh, stuck here in the window, why don't we make lemons out of lemonade and I'll share some very good trivia. Wait, is Winnie the Pooh even a bear? He's a, he's a poo, right? And now, two guys who will never let you get stuck in the hole of bad investment. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And a happy Wednesday to you, stackers. Hey, let me be the first to welcome you. You're here. You made it. Sit back. Grab your favorite beverage. And uh, let's enjoy some money nerdery for an hour with a guy across the card table from me, my good friend OG. How are you, man? What's happening, bro? Dude, I am ready Sorry, to... Bruh. Bruh. What's happening, bro? No, 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 no. We're not going to be two finance bros with microphones. My, uh, my daughter, who's six, says, instead of dad or daddy, she says, bro, dad. Bro, dad. Oh, man. Bro, dad. Oh, boy. My bro, dad. <laughs> of course she I'm does. the bro, dad now. When so, do they grow out of that? Do you like it? I don't do you know. like being bro dad? <laughs> well, the all the boys call each other bros. Bro. Come on, yeah. bro. I will. I'll pass on all that. But what I won't pass on is we got a top five today. No guests, just you and me. Some of my favorite episodes are our top fives. And uh, today we're going to talk about two financial planners. One current, one former, talking about our favorite parts of the process. And the reason I wanted to do this, OG, is that I think it surprises people when they hear from the other side of the table what we like, because especially when I'm in online forums, people are like, well, you can diversify your own investments. Why do you hire somebody to pick investments for you? 
I think people are going to find when they hear our top five things we love about the financial planning process, whether using a advisor or not, that true financial advising is not at all, not at all that. And it's going to be Just super scratch fun. off. Yes. Oh, so boring. Uh, but before all that, you know, I was just, I had this weird dream. Did I tell you about the dream I had last night? Not another one of these. Oh, it was horrible. Listen to this. This episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know, when I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Well, I guess it was really good. Isn't that good? Intriguing. Yes. We got top five things we love about financial planning. Before that, a great headline. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from MarketWatch. You know, we haven't talked about this topic in a while. And this headline, OG, gives us a great opportunity to do it. This is by Steve Goldstein. Steve writes, Chinese stocks have been on a tear Morgan Stanley says it's turning even more bullish on China. Steve writes, no matter how miserable 2022 was for investors of all sorts, they could have undone all manners of sin with one simple move going long Chinese stocks in late October. I like, I'm sure you did. OG. That's exactly oh, yeah. what we did. Absolutely. Writing was on the wall. How could you not have done it? <laughs> Duh. The crane shares CSI China internet uh, ETF, China internet ETF. So not just China, but we want to go China internet stocks. Nice. Yes. Penny solar wind farms. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> next layer. Why wouldn't you have been in this, in this area with hundred percent of your money has exactly double. Okay. He writes rose 99.88% from its January 24th intraday low. Of course, no one in their right mind would have made that investment allocation. So here in the real world, the question really is how far the rally can go. Then they dive into the fact that this rally seems like it's going to be a long one, that uh, this may last for a while. And then I started thinking, OG, you know how much I love emerging markets. I'm 
over-diversified emerging markets in my portfolio. I read stuff like this and I know the average person jumps on market watch and goes, Chinese stocks. Okay, let's go. Let's buy the Chinese ETF. I'm in. Tell me, OG, tell me, OG, why I might want to do that or I might not want to do that. Well, when you think about diversification and you're trying to decide how much money to put in different places, anything that you do that is above uh, weighting it based on their production or their economic value to the entire economy, anything that's above that is your best guess, is your market timing, right? It's your stock selection. If you said, hey, I'm going to put you know, 20% of my portfolio in Chinese internet stocks, you're making a bet on that. And that doesn't mean that your bet will be incorrect, but it's overweighted based on what they actually produce relative to the economy, you know, in the universe. So we do that already. We do that with home bias. If you look at the average investment portfolio of an American, they're mostly American stocks. Right. And the argument, of course, is, well, a lot of these companies are international. So uh, Coke sells Coke all over the world. Right. But part of the benefit of being diversified internationally is you get currency differences, you get tax law differences, you get, you know, economic differences, you know, rule differences and all that sort of stuff. So when you look at an average person's portfolio, they're overweight U.S. Why is that? Well, it's home bias. Right. If you look at the average Norwegian, they're overweight Norwegian stocks. Why is that? It's home bias. So we're already doing that to some degree. The question is, is to what other degree do you want to do it with some of these relatively small subsets of the of the economy, right? If you say, well, I want Chinese stocks, or now I want Chinese internet stocks, now I want Chinese internet Bitcoin mining stocks. You know, I mean, you can kind of whittle it down. Yeah. Like, how much do you want to allocate to that? Because if you have a Chinese ETF, or like you talk about an emerging market ETF, you probably already have all that stuff. You know, sometimes clients will say to us, well, I really want to make sure that I own, you know, some technology or I want to own alternative energy stuff or I want to own AI type, you know, kind of the emerging things. It's like, well, that's already there. If you have a Russell 2000 small cap fund, you have those positions. You're just not overweighting them because obviously you're making a bet. You're saying, I think that this is going to pay off. And if you're right, then you benefit a whole bunch. And if you're wrong, you you know, you don't. So it's impossible to predict in advance what's going to happen with a specific sector or specific part of the economy or a country or, or an individual stock. And so since it is impossible, since it is impossible, I can't see a better way than just saying, well, I'll just evenly split it amongst all of the profitable companies in the U.S. or all of the profitable companies in the world based on their value to the economy. People talk about risk in the portfolio, and I don't think we think enough about the risk of second-guessing markets or overemphasizing how smart we think we are. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, it's like who is the author, the um, radio personality who did the Lake Wobegon stories? My grandma used to listen to them. Where everybody's above average. Yeah, Garrison Keeler. Yeah. So there you go. If you ask anybody if they're above average, I would venture to say that everybody says that they are. (laughs) So by definition, some of those people are incorrect. And it's kind of the same thing with stocks. It's People get confused with this. They say it's impossible to beat the market. And I would say, no, it's not. It's not impossible. People do it all the time. Roughly a third to 50% 
of investors beat the market. The problem is predicting that performance in advance. (laughs) And so if you can't predict it in advance, and the second part of that is it's not repeatable. So there's no, there's no persistence of that. So it's like, if, if you did it 10 times in a row, there's no evidence to suggest that means that you'll likely do it the 11th. So if there's no persistence to it and there's no evidence to predict that performance or that outperformance in advance, and generally it costs a lot of money to do that, to try to outperform, it seems like a losing proposition to try. It doesn't mean you won't be successful because there's plenty of people who try and who are successful. I was reading an article about the top hedge funds from 2022, and some of them were producing 50, 60, 70% returns. That's outperformance. It's significant outperformance. Does that mean that they're going to do it this year? Can we bet that they will because they did it last year? Of course not. Are the people who invested there super happy that they got it right? Yes, they are. (laughs) You know, they made half their money again last year. They're super excited about that. So you just have to weigh, I think as you're looking at your investments, you have to weigh how much of this do I want to put in the hands of luck versus academic science and research that says that this is the path to success. Speaking of academic science, I think then the logical question people are asking is, okay, then where do I start from? If I'm not going to bet on China, I'm not going to bet on, you know, whatever the the topic du jour is on Market Watch. This is today's. There was a different one yesterday. Yeah. Where do I start with? And uh, that brings me to a piece I'll share in the show notes from Investopedia, which is what is an investment policy statement? Because I think this is a great place to start. Because an investment policy statement is this written draft that says exactly how you're going to manage your money. And really, what's the how's the machinery going to work? I am going to have this allocation. I'm going to change it when these things happen. I'm not going to touch it when these other things happen. So if I see something about China... I can now look at my investment policy statement and go, okay, one of two things. Either I change my investment policy statement to include this, which now then you start to see the sea change, I think, in your head. Like, wow, I'm going to change everything to go long on China or China internet stocks or whatever it is. Is it really worth changing my whole investment policy around China stocks? Or the second thing is, which is 99.9% of the time, then you let it go. You give yourself permission to let it go which I think is a pretty powerful thing because you had the I don't know, temerity is the word. If you had, you had the, Oof. you had the fortitude Use it in a sentence to, to build country of origin, to build an investment policy statement first, right? You know, an investment policy statement does all of those things. I think the other thing that it also does is it's not, not only sets up the rules of the road, but it also sets up the expectations. People get frustrated with investment performance because they don't know what to expect if you've ever caught yourself looking at your investment account and going, Oh, I didn't know that dot, 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 dot could happen. Or if you ever find yourself surprised by the outcome, your accounts up 10% or it's down 22% or it's up 31% and you're like surprised by that. That means that you didn't do a good enough job explaining to yourself or someone didn't explain it to you. The rules of, the road and the expectations that you should have moving forward. And where investors get in trouble is those expectations don't line up with what's actually happening. You know, so nobody is really excited in 2022 to have their investment account go down 20%. I didn't talk to anybody that was like, I'm so happy this is happening. 
But I talked to a lot of people who knew it could happen and who were, you know, not excited about it, but also not fearful, not petrified, not ultra worried about how this is going to impact things because we knew that this is a logical outcome. And you can look at it kind of as a postmortem and say, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, 2020 and market was up, 2021, the market was up a whole bunch both times. Makes sense that maybe it would go down a little bit in 2022, you know. But in the moment, it feels a lot different. When you had $100,000 and now you have 80 when you look at your quarterly statement. Yesterday you looked and it was 91. And now you look again and it says 77. And you're Whoa. like, what the heck is going on? Or those bigger numbers. I had a million and I thought I was, you know, I was right on the precipice of that second comma. I ticked over it and now I have 810,000. And it feels like I just blew my chances of retirement. That's because the expectations that you have and what's actually happening with your investment portfolio is not, is not aligned. So an investment policy statement does all the things that you talked about in terms of giving you the rules, but it also says, here's what you should expect. In a normal functioning 95% of the time economy, you shouldn't be surprised if your account goes down 10% every six months. That's normal based on your investment policy statement. And then where that leads to is it leads to you making better decisions because the biggest determinant in long-term investment success is investor behavior. And we all have bad behavior in different areas of our life. If you're an investor that ever thought about buying call options in the last couple of years, or if you got wrapped up in Tesla stock because it was the next great thing, that's the greed side of the equation, right? That's like, I'm going to miss out. If I, if I don't get in Tesla today, I'm never going to be able to get it again at this price, right? If I, don't, yeah. if I don't learn how to trade options, that's the new thing. If I don't know how to do this like these guys on the internet are doing, I'm going to miss out. So that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is it's October of last year. The market's down 24% or something. You go, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to do something different now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my money in Chinese internet stocks or something. Right. So, which actually would have been a good thing <laughs> based on that previous article. Yeah. I love the idea of a monitoring and control process. And that's really the key to, the, I think, the investment policy statement for me. It's really quite an astonishing to me to look back and look at the impacts of compounding. It's so hard to see in the short run, and it's so hard to see just over short periods of time with your money because you can't really make it, make it logical in your brain. But, Joe, you were born slightly before 1970, but 1970 was 52 years ago now, right? So if you invested $100,000 in 1970 in the S&P, how much money would you have today? I'm going to say 700000 $700,000. 100000 invested for 50 years. Dividends reinvested, you think, is 700000 You Would you like to change your answer? Yeah, it's going to be higher than that. I'm just trying to do the rule of 72. Uh-huh. So your first guess was 700000 Pick another number. Yeah, uh, 1300 or uh, uh, 1.3 million, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1,300. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, Doc G. <laughs> oh, you didn't say if I was investing in Chinese internet stocks, oh, starting with $100,000. Yeah. No, the right answer is 14 million. 14 million. I only missed it yeah. by a factor of 10. <laughs> that much. 
Yeah, factor of 20 on the first go round. So I doubt that initially you could think that. You know what I mean? Like you can get there. You could do the math like 72 and you go, okay, it has seven years. It's going to double every seven. There's, you know, seven of those. So I can do, 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 do. But it's still impossible to even believe that. We just have to invest money and not bleep and touch it. That's the key to all of this is stay away from market watch and stay away from anything that doesn't rhyme with leave it the hell alone. Because if you, if you play with it too much, you know, you might go blind. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Is that our takeaway? I hope that's not our takeaway. If you play with it too much, you, uh, you might run out. I mean, that's the key. So build an investment policy statement and then there's no surprises. That's what you're trying to do. Don't have surprises. If you want to know details about how to build an investment policy statement, we have a free newsletter that goes out uh, the day after our Monday and Wednesday shows called the 201. People that get the 201 open the 201. We have one of the highest open rates of any newsletter that I've seen, about a 50% open rate. And for an email that gets sent out twice a week, we're incredibly proud of that because we try to make sure this email is, is our newsletter is worth it. Super proud of it, but we're going to dive into investment policy statements. We'll dive into everything we talk about on the show with links and get more granular in the 201, of course, uh, named because this is the 101. 201 will teach you even more how to do it. Staggybenjamins.com slash 201. Of course, it's always free. And if you find you're not opening it, unsubscribe whenever you'd like, but I think you're going to open it if you get the 201. Coming up next, OG and I dive into our top five pieces of putting together and monitoring financial plans. What do we like best about the financial planning process? Haven't done this top five before in almost 12 years. So we're super excited to dive into that. But before that, Doug, I think you've got some trivia for us. We haven't even mentioned, by the way, oh gee, Doug uh, still stuck in the window. Not sure what that's all about. But uh, like anything here in the basement, I think we'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and run with it. Just yell, Doug. It'll be fine. Doug, it's your turn. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. It's Winnie the Pooh Day, and yes, that's how I got into this predicament in the first place. That and all my holiday candy. It was Joe who wanted to take a pick for the socials. Get in the window, he said. It's going to be awesome. It'll be just like Pooh. And next thing you know... I'm making duck faces and Texarkana Emergency Services is coming to our photo shoot. Oh God, I think I hear the sirens. All right, let's wrap this up. As you know, one of Pooh's friends is Eeyore, the chronically gloomy donkey. So my question is, what was the market value of the antidepressant drug market in 2021? Was it 16 million, 600 million, or 16 billion? I'll be back right after I try a bit more Oh, bother. If the holidays got you down, and by down I mean you might have overspent, now you got the hangover, well, maybe it's time that you took charge and put a debt strategy in place for 2023 where you attack your debt in a way that makes sense and also lower interest rates, make sure you have debt strategically when you need it, and you always have a plan to pay it off. Partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union to pay down your credit card debt. As an example, you could get a low intro APR on balance transfers with their Platinum Credit Card. It's their lowest rate card and a great tool to lower interest while you're paying down debt. 
Navy Federal can also help you get started on your next home improvement project. So if debt's a part of that, put together your plan and then use Navy Federal, who offers a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You can also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purchases. Consolidating debt with a home equity loan could streamline and lower your monthly payments. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, equal housing lending, membership required, loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit cost and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd, 2022. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm Human Wall Cork, and this afternoon, dieter Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Poor Eeyore, it's not his fault. And thanks to better living through pharmaceuticals, he can get out there doing the happy dance with Tigger. So, according to Allied Market Research, what was the market value of the antidepressant drugs market in 2021? $16 billion. That's a lot of honey. And now, here with their top five favorite parts of financial planning, let's send this back to Joe and OG. All right. Always something, uh, always something with that guy going on. Hey, time for a big top five. You know, the financial planning process OG is far more comprehensive, I think, than a lot of people think that it is. They tune into a show like Stacking Benjamins and they initially think that we're just going to talk about Chinese internet stocks all day. And as longtime stackers know, that's rarely the case. It's a lot more holistic and I'm super excited to see really how holistic yours, uh, your list is. But I want to start with this. My list, looking through this, I wanted to talk about investment policy statements about Chinese stocks at the beginning, because my, my top five includes very, I don't know about yours, but mine includes very little about investing, like very, very, very little about, well, maybe investing, but not investment management. How about yours? Yeah, I might not have understood the assignment as well as you understood that. So we'll we'll just uh, run with it. I don't have any investing things on mine either, but um, yeah, we'll see if if I did the if, if I did the if I did the homework correctly. Well, what I like about this type of homework is you know favorite subjective anyway. So I don't think there's a don't think there's going to be a right or a or a wrong approach to this thing. But it'll be Good. fun. Yeah. I'm glad you say that now. <laughs> you might, when we're done, you might say, okay, that was the exact wrong approach, actually. I haven't seen yours, your list, obviously. You haven't seen mine. 
we're going to just, we're going to run with it. Do you want to show me yours and I'll show you mine? Pass on that. Uh, we'll just List, expose bro. them as they, as they come up. It's getting bad in a hurry. All right, uh, Mr. UK announcer, let's do this. Number five. You want to go first? You want me to go first? First, I don't care. <clears throat> it's fine. I think the easiest one when I think about the things of, of planning is how you can take something like we talked about just a few minutes ago. In 50 years, you get $14 million by starting with a relatively small sum. You know, in the grand scheme of things, 100 grand is a lot of money. Yeah, I get that. So taking all of the stuff and saying, okay, you're 45 and you want to retire when you're 65, you only need to have four and a half million dollars. And you look at your investment statements and you're like, yeah, there's no way. I'm not there's no there. way that this that this this is so off the charts. And instead, what we try to focus on is let's not think about that 20 year goal. Instead, let's think about the next six months. So what are the two or three things that you guys need to do over the next six months, two or three things that we're going to do over the next six months. So basically taking that gigantic elephant, turning it into like these little teeny tiny breadcrumbs of stuff to do and how that progress compounds on top of one another. So that's my number five. It's funny because uh, that particular thing appears in two of my top five because I am right there with you. Mine are further up because I love that piece. I love the fact that we can focus on the next six months and eat just a little piece of the elephant and we will get there. And we just focus on these little things now. We don't got to focus on that big, huge picture. We're going to get there. And I just find that so exciting and refreshing and enlightening to so many people. Mm -hmm. You're kidding me. If I do these little things today, I'm going to reach that 4.5. Yes. Yes. Just need to focus on this little stuff. Yep. It makes that day-to-day -day so much more powerful. And you and I have talked about, we've had guests talk about being present. We said Dr. Bob Waldinger on last Monday talking about happiness, you know, happiness being in the moment, experiences in the moment. If you can do things that are in the moment, not only is it better planning, it's more fun. It just makes it, makes it a better time. My number five is, is the tax strategy piece. And certainly money nerds, OG, already know Roth conversions. And I kind of roll my eyes at that. And, you know, mega backdoor Roth IRA. Okay, that's good. Some of that stuff. I'll tell you what I really like are some of the little nitty gritty things. Like when you can look at somebody's situation and change the way dividends get paid around so that it saves them some money on taxes and makes their portfolio hum better. Like often we spend a lot of time talking about the investments and what investments we need. Do we need Chinese internet stocks? But we don't think about the right place to put those. And when we can make the goals align with the tax strategy and the tax strategy is more than, oh, this year I can put X amount of money in the Roth IRA, so let's do it. Instead, it's this comprehensive, how am I putting money in pre-tax, after-tax, tax-free, and how am I taking money out and there's a plan for both of those things. And I also know that my taxes that I'm giving my tax person or doing myself this year are not only minimized for this year, but they're also congruent with my long-term tax strategy. That gets me super excited. Like that gets me, it's just so amazing when I can say, no, 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 we're going to keep the same investments. We're just going to put these ones in the Roth. We're going to move these ones to the 401k. We're going to move this one to the pre-tax IRA and we're going to put these in the non-qualified account. And I remember mm -hmm. over and over clients would go, damn, damn, wow. Like that was super, super fun. 
super fun. So tax strategy is my number five. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, secondary effects, especially as you get into retirement distribution planning that that affects, right? Medicare taxes and your social or Medicare premiums and your social security taxes and you know, all these other sort of things. You can have the same lifestyle, but depending on where the money comes from, you know, it goes back to the Stephen Covey thing, doesn't it? The, yeah. the picking up the end of the stick. Like we focus on the end of the stick. We're putting money in all the time, but the other end of the stick is taking money out. And if I put it in the right way, then it comes out the right way. Yeah. You know? Yep. Good, good stuff. Number four. We going to ping pong or do you want the number four? Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll do this one. This was always fun for me in the financial planning process is, you know, we get together back when I was an advisor a couple times a year, and then we'd have a couple phone calls maybe during the year, depending on, on the year and the situation. But at least we would try to meet a couple times. And during those meetings, challenging people to save money, just to say, hey, let's see if we can put 50 bucks more away. See if we can put a hundred bucks more away. See if we can put 200 bucks more away. Man, it was always so fun to have people take that challenge. They never knew if they could do it. And you know how this ends, OG. It always worked. Like we'd say, hey, you know what? What's cool? They go, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, guess what? If you can't, then we can lower it again. Like, let's just try it for one month and see if it works. Oh, but I can, you know, we can go ahead and lower it if it does. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's do, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to raise my 401k and let's see if it works. Nobody ever called me. Nobody ever called me. 16 years as a financial planner, nobody ever called me back. That was awesome. Like yep. challenging yourself a couple times a year to go bigger and do more was always exciting. That was, that's my number four. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, that's not on my list, but um, that's kind of a staple in conversations with clients. It's like, just do that one, per, just 1%. Like who cares? You know, it's super It's easy. like we were talking about the new law, right? The new secure 2.0. Yeah where you start at 3%, then you go up to four, go up to five, go up to six. Like that's, uh, that's great. Just do it. Good stuff. Just try it What's out. What's your number four? Oh, let's see here. Number four, I'm going to go, um, just the sheer act of goal attainment, I think is, is a really fun part of the overall process because a lot of times, especially with intermediate term goals or something that just seems too over the top, you know, we want to buy a new house or we want to send the kids to college or, you know, you think about retirement, of course, is kind of the big one. But those other ones that happen along the way, whether it's we want to get the house paid down a little bit faster or, you know, whatever. And you get to this, to the spot and you say, oh, well, hey, by the way, college is funded now. They go, my kid's only eight. Surely I have to keep investing money for college. It's like, well, no, you don't have to anymore because remember you know, a couple of years ago when you got that bonus and we talked about it and you said, well, I'm going to put two thirds of it in the college fund so I could kind of be done with that. And the markets responded positively over the last couple of years. So now you have enough money. It's like, oh, I don't have to think about that anymore. Nope. Nope. You're good. Check the box. Next, next activity. You know, and it's like, well, I'm trying to pay my house off and it's like, oh, that'll never happen. You know, I can never pay it off. It's 30 year mortgage. It's like, well, let's just do this. And then you know, you refinance to a 15 year term, you pay a little extra and then you get down to like, oh, all I have is 32,000 left on my principal in my house. And I've got 62,000 in my checking account now. So we used to go the other way. Sometimes, as you know, OG, we would go with pay the minimum on your house, open up a side fund, right? Like an S&P 500 fund yeah. and stuff money there. And it was cool when we would get to the point when client would come in and I go, hey, 
there's enough money in this S&P 500 fund for you to pay off your house now. Like whichever way you get there, just, I feel like as you were talking, I was just thinking about how every time I go, I go on vacation, I try to close my suitcase as I'm coming home. Cause you know, you buy some trinkets, went to these Christmas markets. And I think about the three sides of the suitcase. Like I feel so good as I close up one side of my suitcase, (laughs) I'm shoving my hand out on the others. But the fact that this one is done, right. When you, when you tell your client, Hey, College is funded. Kids only eight. I feel like you close that part of the suitcase. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's fine. That part's yeah. going home. That part of the plan is going home. Now I can shove even harder on the next part of the suitcase to try to get that part squeezed in. Try to get the rest of it in there. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Goal attainment. Number four. Number three. We'll just go back and forth. Um, so for me, number three is, it kind of is your number four, I think more along the lines of complex problems. There is some truth to the, and we have to be respectful of this. We, t- You and I have talked about this on the, on the show. We're like, hey, didn't we cover this before? Do we have to talk about it? You know, financial planning is, is a lot like your daily dose of vitamin C and preaching the good news of financial planning and the stuff that we talk about is you don't retain it. <laughs> you know, it's like vitamin C. You could take all the vitamin C in the universe today and tomorrow you'll just pee it right out. <laughs> you know, you don't get to, you don't, you have to take it again tomorrow. You know, you just have to. Some of the stuff that we talk about, you know, A, 12 years ago, there were 24 year olds today who were 12, you know, that, that didn't know that stacking Benjamins existed. So they're just starting their journey and going, I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. Where do I start? The monotony of that, we got to have a lot of respect for because for us, it's the 700th time we've talked about put money in your Roth and it's $510 a month. You're like, whatever, just, just do it. You know, it'll be fine. And add 1% to your phone. We've said that 7,000 times, but it's the first time some people have heard it. That being said, for me personally, I really like it when it's like this gigantic puzzle of chaos, you know, whether it's just too much stuff going on, too many goals, not enough money, too much complexity, whether it's things like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, you could have, hey, we're doing this and we've got this inheritance and we've got these, you know, this complex tax issue and we're business owners and we have employees and all of this stuff and taking it and turning it into, you know, how do we get each one of these things to work together? Because financial planning is not, like we said at the very beginning, it's not just investment returns. And a lot of people get frustrated with their advisor when all they do is, talk about money, talk about investments, because that's one of the areas of financial planning. But when you, you know, when you make decisions in your investment plan, you're making decisions, you know, having effects in your tax plan, you're having effects in your estate plan, you're having effects in your cash flow. And if you don't know how all of those things work together, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice. So being able to kind of take all of those different pieces and have an idea of how each one of them interact with all the other areas of your financial life, kind of that complexity. I think that's the most fun that I have doing planning now. Yeah. I love making it all dovetail, seeing all these things, which are going all different ways and making it all streamlined. And we know that every, it's almost like, you know, YNAB where every dollar has a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Ahead of time, that type of a budget uh, for people that don't know, YNAB is a is a popular budgeting system where you budget out every dollar before it even enters your wallet. So you know exactly it's got a job before it goes out. 
it's kind of like that on a macro scale, on a planning scale that you're doing the same thing, which is funny because that's very close to my number three, which is in my book, Stacked, I begin chapter one with timelining out your goals. And timelining goals was always one of my favorite things to do. And that's my number three for, for the very much the same reason, OG. We have all of these different goals and ideas and things that we want to do. And I found that by visually putting them out against each other and making them MMA style, kind of fight it out, right? Which one of these goals is going to survive? Because as I put myself as a stick figure down at one end of the piece of paper and I draw a line that represents the rest of my life and I put all these goals on the timeline, then I naturally go back to today and say, okay, how much do I put toward each of these? And to your point, if there's not enough money for all of them, then I finally have the discussion that matters, which is what are my values? Do I really value retiring at 55 over putting my kids through college? Do I value college over retiring at 55? Do I value the second home? Do I value the, you know, all these goals start fighting it out for your dollar and for your attention. And we often find that we're focused on completely the wrong things. Our money is flowing to the things that we care about the least when we timeline out our goals. And it's funny, I've had some pushback because I really think this is a good book for people in their early 20s. And I had some pushback of, listen, you know, these people are thinking day to day. They're thinking about how do I, how do I make ends meet? I was there. And if I had started earlier on thinking about what are these long-term things that I'm trying to reach, if I had focused more on that in my early 20s, Versus what I did, which was just think about the next paycheck and the next dollar I could spend and how I could screw it up more. Man, I would have been so much further ahead. It was so, so much further ahead. Like if you ever want to get out of that day-to-day thinking, if you're listening to this and you're in this day-to-day thinking, start timelining out your goals, timeline out the big stuff. It'll frustrate the crap out of you, by the way, because you're like, I can focus on none of this. I got to focus on how to eat tomorrow. That's fine. But that first extra dollar you finally make when you make a break, when you get a break, you're going to put it in the right spot. And that win will then propel you to more wins. So I love this idea of timelining your goals. And the ahas that people got when we would show them where the money was going versus what we valued was a big aha. Super fun. Yeah. Add to that the other people that you care about in your life. So if you put your OG's 45 and then you put wife, kids, grandmas, grandpas, and you start putting timelines on the different college for the oldest and weddings and you know that sort of stuff, you go, holy crap, <laughs> this lines up the same time that all these other things line up. Like I thought I was 15 years from now going to be buying my vacation house. It's like, well, no, because that's when my daughter's going to college. I got these other priorities. Yeah. And for the first time ever, you're thinking about the fact these are happening at the same time. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to retire in 15 years. Oh, nope. Psych. You'll have a junior in college. Nice try. (laughs) Well, and that's why between your number three and my number three, that's why I think it's so much more valuable than just writing your goals down. You know, we hear this, especially this time of year, write your goals down. No, man, just timeline them out. It helps too, for sure. Number two. My number two is the other half of what we've been, uh, your number five, also your number three, which is milestones. I love milestones for these big, big, big goals. To your point, when you say, if we focus on these things the next six months, what I liked about this, I would have my team put together, OG, where my client needed to be by today. 
And my client mm-hmm. would come in and often they'd be, oh, did you see all the nastiness going on in Congress lately? It's all crazy. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Oh, the stock market. Oh, the economy. I don't know what's going on. with oh, The Fed's going to, all this stuff. And I go, well, hey, okay, the, all that, if you want to, we'll talk about that later. But today, right now, I have my team put this together. When you add up all your money, we need to be at $62,000. Oh, okay. How much is in your 401k? Oh, I didn't look that up. Let me look it up on my phone. Oh, look, I'm at whatever. How much is in your Roth IRA? Oh, this. Oh, I've got these other numbers. And you put those numbers together and you're like, okay, we're at 61.5. We're $500 behind. $500 behind what? Oh, you know that four and a half million we need to get to? Yeah. We're $500 behind. So we can do one of two things today. We can talk about Congress, the economy, the Fed, Chinese internet stocks, or we right. can talk about how we find 500 bucks because that's all we need. We got to keep doing the things we're doing and we got to find 500 bucks. And all of a sudden we switch from all this, excuse my language, we switch from all this bull to the stuff that we can actually control. And the whole milestone thing twice a year was just a godsend. It was so, so, so fun. And the celebration when we were ahead, when we were ahead, we'd go, okay, do you want to take a break for the next six months? What are you talking about? Well, we're way ahead. Why don't you go ahead and take the trip to Italy? Oh, we could save less or we can step on it. Like you were saying earlier, junior's eight years old and we're already have it locked down. We can lock this thing down early. If you want, you can stop saving later, take a break, stop saving later maybe lower it permanently for the rest of your life. Like which of these do you want to do? Wow. I, I can choose. For, yes. Yeah. We can do any of those right. things. Super fun. Milestones was my number two. Coolio. Uh, number two for me. Back to the complexity piece and thinking about like how all this stuff works together. It's always super profound how the right answer is often the simplest answer. <laughs> you know, we were talking about investments earlier you get the statement from the stockbroker and it's 382 pages for your 7,000 positions that you own that they're day trading to justify their, their existence. And it's like, (laughs) well, I mean, basically you just own the S and P, right? (laughs) Like you own 500. Like I, I get why direct indexing looks cool on paper, but I also can't understand for the life of me why the normal, a normal person would do it. Like I, I get it. You don't, I don't, you know, I don't need somebody to sell me on it, but for 99% of the population, buying SPY is exponentially better than buying an equal weighted or, or a market weighted you know, allocation of all 500 stocks in the S&P. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. And the same thing is true with all of these other things. It's like we can make it very complicated to accomplish our goals. We can make it very complicated to invest money, very complicated from an estate planning standpoint. And behind the scenes, I think that's okay. Like it's okay if your plan is complex, but the implementation of it needs to be simple. You're talking about breaking it down into like all this stuff that's going on. All I need to do is focus on the next 500 bucks. It's like all of the complexity of a multi-generational estate plan. I mean, I've, I've got one. It's, you know, it's like a binder that thick. And yes, I've read the whole thing to make sure that it's the way that I want it to be. That's insanely complex, but the implementation on it is we need to sign these forms. We need to open this account and buy this life insurance. 
Like that's the simplicity of how do we make all of this stuff happen? You know, you think about how is the complexity of financial independence with multiple income streams and, you know, all the taxes and all that sort of stuff, like all that boils down to today, back to kind of our six month thing, check-ins, milestones, everything that we've talked about is today we're going to put 15% in your 401k in this allocation and you're going to write a check for $6,500 for your Roth. That's the simplicity of your plan. So I think it's perfectly fine to have lots of complexity behind the scenes, but from an implementation standpoint, we want it to be very simple. And simple is better than complex. No, I remember the uh, Wealthy Barber, you know, one of my favorite, favorite all-time books on finance and talking about how your basics of your plan, which could be, could be complex on the inside, but if you can't write the gist of your plan on a cocktail napkin, you're doing it wrong. It should be cocktail napkin a bowl. And I totally mm-hmm. believe that, that you should be able to explain your plan. If, if you have an advisor and you can't explain your plan, you've no idea really what your plan, it ain't your plan. It's their plan. And I think that's important, no matter how complex it has to be because of your net worth or whatever the things are. What I also loved about this OG, about when you were talking was, how important does that make it then, even if it's not an advisor, if it's just a friend, to just share like your goals with somebody else or share like what you're thinking with somebody else? Because how many times have you had all this crap in your head? There's a guy that you know in Detroit who was a coach of mine who I went to meet with one time. I'm like, oh, I can't think because I got like these 50 things. He goes, let's write them down. I'm like, this is going to take like six hours. Like, we t- How about if I come back next time and I have him? He goes, nope, you're clearly freaked out. We're going to write them down right now. You know how long it took me to get that crap out of my head? Like two minutes. Right. Like there were clearly three things that were clogging all Joe's wheels that were so big in my head that once I wrote them down, just telling it to somebody else took this complexity that I thought and made it far simpler. He's like, okay, now that we have these written down, let's just create a plan. Boom, boom, boom. And within like a week and a half, we had all three of those huge things in my head solved, which I think is the importance of just running this stuff by somebody else. Because often where we see complexity or we freak out, somebody else who's not there in the trench with us won't freak out in the same way. I think it's time for our number one. I think so. You want to do your number one drum roll? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) That's that's OG, OG. I miss the drum roll days. All right. What's the number one, OG? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Mr. UK guy. Number one. There we go. Uh, oh, my, it's my, my number one, isn't it? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you can go. I can go. I don't care. You want to rock, paper, scissors for it? I think yours is going to be the better one. I think yours is going to be right. the better one. So I think we'll we'll, we'll wait know. on yours. Mine is just surprising. I don't know that it's big aha, but it's going to be surprising for people. My favorite thing, and the reason I thought of this, my favorite part of this whole thing is risk management. I just love talking about risk management because I think so many people get risk management wrong. They do it wrong. They think about insurance, which is wrong. They think about, uh, you know, they don't want anything to do with it. But when you put together a risk management strategy, you sleep better at night. It's congruent with your investment plan, meaning you can be more aggressive. Like because my risk management's in place, I'm more aggressive with my investments and I don't worry about them as much because I know that if I need money the next six months, I got a place to go for it, right? So once I put together my risk management strategy, that is always so neat. Like we can raise our deductibles. 
I've got money in an emergency fund. Whenever I see people cut corners on these things, it kind of cracks me up. And we've been fighting this fight for almost 12 years now, OG. Why do I need an emergency fund when it doesn't earn anything? You've got the ROI in your emergency fund all wrong. ROI in your emergency fund is fewer dollars that you're paying to premiums, fewer dollars in conservative positions in your investment strategy, just in case, right? Less reliance on credit cards and the credit maybe, you know, because as we saw in 2007, 2008, it is a big maybe. They'll cut that crap in a hurry. I go, nope, you don't have this. They've already done it, yeah. Yeah, you don't have this access to credit that you think that you had. So all this reliance on all this other stuff and this, man, putting together a great risk management. When I could save people a bunch of money on insurances and at the same time we had better insurance, it just still makes me giggle. Still makes me Google. My favorite part of this whole thing, risk management. Yeah, nobody makes a really good decision when when there's a lot of emotional stress going on. We were watching the uh, national championship football game a couple of uh, last week. and you mean the um, national championship blowout. Yeah, exactly. The national blowout. The Georgia senior night is what they called it. <laughs> right. Nick Saban was one of the commentators early in the pregame. And he was like, you know, they're like talking to him like, well, you know, how are the players feeling? Are they, you know, are they nervous? Are they excited? Are they emotional? And he's like, listen. If you're too emotional, you make bad decisions. If you're too jacked up, you're making bad decisions. And that's the same thing that happens with your financial plan. If something bad happens, if you haven't game planned that already, you're going to make a bad decision because you're too emotionally charged in the moment. You think about like the terrible things that can happen that end up turning into money issues, right? Somebody gets sick or hurt for a period of time or, you know, you hit by the mail truck or something like that. You hear these things and you go, how did that person make that decision? Well, it's because they hadn't game planned it in advance. Not to mention you're you're actually probably saving money by having extra money in cash because while you're not getting a return on your cash, you are getting, you know, half less car insurance premium because your deductible is twenty five hundred instead of five hundred. Yeah, we get so focused on I'm only getting one percent. No, you're not. Yeah. You're getting huge numbers all over the place. And then Mrs. OG smashes the minivan and you gotta write a twenty five hundred dollar check and you're like, Why did I pick that? That was ridiculous. <laughs> What? Did that happen? No, that didn't happen. Of course it did recently. Not that you're bitter and and we're bringing it up on a podcast. Not that I'm bringing it up at all. Every, every week. It's a little passive aggressive. It's, you know, we'll see if she uh, listens to this episode. All right. Uh, My number one is being the guide. You know, thinking about financial planning is pretty interesting when you're doing it on your own. You know, you're going, okay, I've got this time. I've got this money. I've got these resources. I want to retire by this date. I want to send my kids to school. I want to do all these things. And you've got your life to live. And I've been lucky enough to have been doing this for now almost 25 years. What's fun is kind of going up and down this path back and forth. It's like we go all the way to the end with somebody and then I come back to the beginning and I'm like, okay, cool. Check this out. We, we went a slightly different way this time, but there's some good parts and some not so good parts. So let me, let me go with you this time and I'll show you where all the good parts were. You know, I'll show you all the pitfalls because while you have one retirement journey or one financial independence journey, or, you know, you've got the one thing we've done it hundreds of times kind of up and down, you know, you're dealing with how do I pay off my student loans? It's like, oh yeah, well, yeah, we know how to do that. Done that before. Been there, done that, got that t-shirt. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do I manage? You know, I got two kids. I need to send them to college. I got da-da-da. It's like, cool. Yep, know how to do it. Let me show you all the success rates. Let me show you the things that failed. Like we talk about efficiency and your, your favorite phrase, broke professors with the mortgage stuff. And it's like, 
okay, yes, I get it. Mathematically, it makes sense. You should have the biggest ass mortgage you can find and invest the difference. Okay, yes, you should do that mathematically. And then on the other hand, it's like, but I've seen 200 people retire in the last several years and none of them had mortgages. So... You get to see some of the evidence. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe we'll do the, you know, the success says, the math says this, but I can observe this, you know, as, a, as an example. So that's probably the most fun for me. Seeing the skeletons in the closet was what was the big aha for me. That these mistakes that people think that the smart people aren't making. Right. Now they're making those mistakes too. I mean, the, the smartest among us are making mistakes. And that actually gave me more confidence as an investor. I kind of wish, which is why I kind of wish we were more open. It's also why I want to go into podcasting was to be able to talk about this, that, you know what, the smartest among us, the richest among us have made some monster mistakes. The difference is really, it's almost like customer service. You know, they say good customer service is one thing, but service recovery as a statistic, far more valuable. Like if you can recover from making a mistake, which we all make, that level of customer service is even more valuable than getting it right the first time. Like it is just statistically, that's when you win people for life is you mess it up. That's what I think the best among us do is they make these mistakes and they learn from it and they respond in a stronger way. They don't give up. They keep going. Yeah. It's awesome. I think you got the assignment right, man. Okay. All right. That was great. We're going to list these on our show notes page. Of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the 201, we will dive even further into these. Kevin's got his work cut out today with a bunch of links going. <laughs> a even lot of further. yappy yappy today. Yeah. Sorry about that, Kevin. Going even further into the stackybenjamins.com for the show notes. You'll find those right on the front page uh, when you can just scroll down to the bottom of the front page with our show notes and then uh, the 201 stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. On that note, OG2, this has uh, become a long episode, by the way. Uh, normally, so where we throw out the Haven Lifeline, our episode sponsored, of course, by Haven Life, stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Uh, get your insurances in order. We talked, about, we talked about risk management being one of my favorites. Uh, we will throw out the Haven Lifeline next time. But if you want to get your insurance done, you want to get it done quickly, you want to get it done with a company that's over a 160-year-old parent company, Mass Mutual great customer service, stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Hey, if you're not here just to get your life insurance in order, you're not here for a newsletter for our top five, you're here because you're concerned about the market and chatter around recessions. Well, OG and his team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. Guide to help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So go over to stackybenjamins.com slash guide and get this helpful free guide from OG. That's stackybenjamins.com slash guide. Later on today, I will be on uh, Instagram. Come join me at 5 p.m. Eastern. You do the math about where you are. Also, I'm going to try to be there more often. Last week, by the way, last Thursday, and I apologize, we didn't mention this on the show. We did mention it in our Facebook group, The Basement. Sent something out to our 201 uh, members. Speaking of risk management, we talked last Thursday on Fireside to Eric Sorensen about getting your homeowners and uh, car insurance better. Some people brought their homeowners and car insurance to that and were able to save some money. We're going to play clips from that in an upcoming headline, OG, to bring people some of that. More Firesides to come. We'd like it when you're able to ask questions, ask your own questions of our guest as well. All right, that's going to do it, I think. Uh, Doug, 
Doug, it's your turn, man. <laughs> what? So, so I, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, Doug, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from our top five list. Think your financial plan is all about invest, invest, invest? You may not be thinking wide enough about your financial house. Second, Chinese tech stocks? Maybe, but begin with your investment policy statement and work backwards. What stocks do you need to reach your goal? That's where you begin. But the big lesson? Never install a tiny window in a basement. These things dig into your ribs. Oh, God, that's my pocket knife. Man. This show is the property of SP Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Take a deeper dive into all the topics we cover on each episode by checking out our newsletter, The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. And once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamins Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. If you're new here, what happens in the after show stays in the, in the after show. We talk about all kinds of stuff. If you're here for money talk, we're done. We talk about movies, TV shows, video games, but today I want to talk about travel more. Cause I said last week, I want to talk a little bit more about my trip down the Danube. You had a row. That was fun. But you asked me a question. You, yeah, it was <laughs> rowing that boat all the way down the Danube. That was hell. Yeah, I found out that discount discount travel packages sometimes aren't worth it. Like they talk about adventure <laughs> travel. Turns out yeah. that you and and uh, eighty five new friends paddling the 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 boat. No, that didn't happen. But I do want to ask you about something. You texted me this last weekend about uh, Italy, and you said, "Was there much walking 
in Italy. And I said, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, walking through Rome, Tuscany, and Venice, the trip we took to Italy, which I certainly want to go back to all those places and to new places, Mulfi Coast, the uh, uh, Cinque Terre. I'd love to, yeah, give me all of Italy. But then I thought about it yesterday and I was thinking maybe OG was asking about, because we took a Disney trip, long time people have hung out with us. No, long time stackers. No, we took a ventures by Disney trip. So was the question, did we walk a lot or does the Disney trip involve a lot of walking? Cause there's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, what we're trying to do this year is for financial planning, you know, we say we're not going to talk about money here, but allow me to digress a little bit. <laughs> you know, there's two ways that you can budget, right? One way is to like pay attention to every dollar and say, okay, you know, this, this, this paycheck came in and you know, this much is going to mortgage and this much food and that sort of thing. Paula Pant has her anti-budget, which kind of is how, how we do it, which is we, know how much we need to save. We know how much, you know, the mortgage payment is and so on and so forth. And then the rest of it is free to do whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're good, right? You're on track for your goals. So you should be able to spend the rest. The problem that that ends up with then is you get to the end of the year and I always kind of do a quick, not really like a half a day calculation of like, okay, so who, how much money came in? How much did we pay taxes? How much did we save? You know, all that sort of stuff. And then you get left over with this number, you know, this gigantic number of like, and this is what was left after you accounted for taxes, savings, and debt. And you go, nah, that can't be right. And then you do the math again and you go, holy fork and shirt balls. Like, yeah, where what? did it go? Where did it go? And wife and I were talking about, she's like, I want to see the Amex. We put everything on American Express just about. She's like, I want to see the Amex statement. I'm like, it's not going to provide clarity. It just says Amazon, 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 you know, wine. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon wine. Like that's, that's like pretty much it. You need the Amazon statement. I know that's pretty much it. Anyway, so I resolved this year to spend the same amount of money. I'm very comfortable with the lifestyle, but consume it in a manner that is a little bit more um, memorable. Because if I look back into 2022, there's, you know, there's a couple things we did. We went to Florida, for example, or something as trips, but there wasn't like the, oh, that's what, you know what? That's why, because we built a pool, that's why the number was so high. There was none of that stuff. It was just like life. So with our parents getting older, <clears throat> we were thinking, okay, we need to kind of explore with them a little bit. And, um, and so we were looking at some of these guided trips in different places. And, and there's a couple of them that are a little bit more um, uh, amenable to people who aren't really super interested in hiking. You yeah, know, miles and miles a yeah. day. That and, I um, realized after I gave you the answer, I thought maybe that's what he's really asking. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't care about walking, and I know, like, like the Disney one, for example. I know you you visit different areas, and obviously, you're not walking between Rome and Venice. It's you know, you take a train or whatever. Yeah. But but within those areas, the correct answer then is no. You do not have to do a ton of walking, and when you mm -hmm. do, when you're on the guided stuff. It is very, very slow walking. Like you walk to a spot and you've got your little earpiece in and the guide, you know, shows you this thing. Mm -hmm. Then you slowly meander to the next spot. At the Disney trip, they're used to intergenerational travel. So they will have kids, yeah. parents, and grandparents. I mean, there were three, I've, I've been on two of them. There, there were three or four different sets of those where it was three generations. 
and they cater to all of them. And often they will split the group so that you have the kids doing one thing. Like we went to this farm, the kids made olive oil while the older people did a wine tasting. Right. And the cool news is we all got back on a bus and, uh, and then there were kids nighttime. Were all hopped up on olives and <laughs> parents are all ripped. Parents are all ready to take a nap. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you wine. Well, that was the other cool thing was on some of the off nights, the guides, the Disney guides would take the kids for a movie night, you know, and they'd have kids night and kids and talk about how cool it is. You don't got to spend time on vacation every minute with your parents. And this is awesome. And, and they thought it was great, which gave the parents some time away. But we did a bunch of walking because they also give you a lot of time off to decide what you want to do. And if you want to hang out at the hotel, you can. And of course, they go beautiful hotels. And often in these intergenerational trips, the younger people would go off and do walking like we would. And the older people would just enjoy the hotel. Yeah. So the answer was actually no. I texted you, yes, there is a lot of walking, but that's just because we love it. So there's obviously Disney does their travel, you know, and, and you've been on a number of the trips and, and it's not, you know, it's not like, Hey guys, let's go on Disney. You know, it's not like that. It's no, there's it's no, end. there's almost no Disney. Yeah, it's high end yeah. type stuff. And then I was looking at Abercrombie and Kent, which is another high end travel company. And if you really want to know kind of how the other half lives, start searching that stuff up where it's like, Oh, did you want the private jet tour? Well, yeah. Asia, you yeah. know, it's like, it's like, we're limiting this to only 47 people who can write $200,000 checks. So, right. You know, it's like, holy we did crap. Ours wasn't that big, dude, but the trip we took to Jordan and Egypt was still the most expensive one I've ever taken. And it was Tauk, T-A-U-C-K, which is a high-end travel the company. The thing that you've got going for you is that you're writing checks for two. I'm writing checks for five well, plus two. Well, but here's the thing that I, let me tell you what I didn't like about Tauk. Tauk was too guided. It was too mm. on rails. It was too rich. It was too, it was like wealthy experience that I wanted to get in there and mix it up. And we didn't mix it up enough. Now, because it was Jordan and Egypt, and I wasn't sure about what was going on in those right. areas, I don't speak the language. I don't know. Luckily, in Amman, as you know, I have a niece that came and she'd lived there for two years. So the first couple of days, having our niece take us around was amazing. And we got to go into all these places. And by the way, it was pretty funny. You're in the middle of Amman with this, this woman who's 27, 28 years old, and she's maybe 5'2". And people start talking to us in broken English and she in perfect Arabic speaks back the level of shock over and over everywhere we went was incredible. Was so, was so There's there a YouTube channel. I think we've talked about it before. I think it's, it's something like white girl in China or oh, white girl right. in Japan or something like that. It's a, you know, something like this quintessential American looking young lady who's probably in her twenties speaks perfect Mandarin, speaks perfect Japanese with the perfect accent and dialect for whatever region she's in. And she videotapes walking down the street and, you know, the cat calls and, you know, all that stuff. And she's yeah. like, Oh, he just, he just said that I have a nice rear end or something like that. And then she'll turn around and say something back to him in Chinese and, or He's Japanese. Just, and they're like, oh. <laughs> you know, like just kind of like shocked that they can, yeah. they can put it together. I'll tell you the other, the, 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 I need you to explore this for me because you have more of an adventure spirit. You need to try elsewhere as a travel company. I've seen some reviews on it. I've seen, some kind of paid sponsorship stuff where 
you know, you can kind of sort of trust it, but then you also know, hey, they're getting a little, they're getting a little vague for that, right? Right. So it's elsewhere.io. And you tell them basically what you're into, generically where you want to go, how long you want to be there. And then they create a trip unique for you. So if you're like, I need some spa time at the five-star hotel, but I also want to go zip lining or I want right. to go piking up the mountain. They go, right. cool. On day two, you're going to do this. On day three, you're going to do this. And they just, boom, put it all out so that you get like one of everything. So check that out for me elsewhere. I will. I just uh, pulled it up on my on my browser. I also have no idea how much it costs. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe that's why there's not a lot of... Talk on it, well, I definitely, it. having been to Europe a few times, we went much more discount this time. And I will tell you that Emerald Cruise Lines, nowhere near as expensive as like a Viking cruise or some of the, mm-hmm. you know, the Tauk. I saw the Tauk cruise. Our stateroom was a fraction of the size of the old one. I loved it. I thought this company yeah, was, was fantastic. It was, it was yeah. so, it was so, so good. And it was a short cruise. It was the first time, at least this is what they told us, the first time they'd shortened the cruise, cut it in half, and just focused on Christmas markets. And so we only did four cities. We started in Budapest, and then we went to uh, Bratislava, which is the capital of Slovakia. Then we went to Vienna, spent way too little time. I've been to Vienna before. I would love to spend forever in Vienna, but spent a little time there. And then extended in Prague, which I'd never been to in Prague, was amazing. It was just fantastic. But Emerald Cruises... Emerald Cruise, I'm going to write a full blog post on this OG for people about the differences between Tauk, because frankly, while I would definitely, knowing that especially Egypt has just opened up to Westerners again recently, I would still take a, you know, red carpet kind of cruise. Right. I did get frustrated. I got kind of frustrated that I was being really pampered and babied instead of really immersed in it. And that was, that was the downside. Disney, I never felt that way about it. Well, I kind of did sometimes in, in Southeast Asia, but Disney still would let us go off on our own a fair amount yeah. and go explore. Every time we went to explore with Tauk, they freaked out. They literally freaked out. Like, I don't know. you wanna. And then like in Cairo, we went and went to the bazaar. Maybe there was a good reason why they freaked out, but man, some of my favorite parts of, um, of Egypt where when the travel company just left us alone. Yeah. That's kind of, that was the impetus of my question, which is if I'm going to spend 30 grand that's unaccounted for in my budget every year, I might as well, I might as well spend it, you know, whatever, that's fine. But, but account for it and have some, have a blast doing it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I highly recommend adventures by Disney. It is a ton of money. Oh, the adventure by Disney, so much money. But I got to tell you, but on two of them, I don't regret a penny. Yeah. I don't regret. I don't know that I'll take a Tauk trip again. And don't get me wrong, it's for some people that want that, just not, not for me. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees 
are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy federal website, resources like best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.